It is Tuesday, January 30th, 2024, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellams. Today, federal legislation that seeks to update outdoor recreation policy. We don't want to love our outdoor places to death, so kind of advocating for the responsible usage of those outdoor places, but at the same time advocating for people to get outside and live healthy lifestyles. That's, that's a big deal. Plus, the impact made at an HBCU. Like, I did have this determination. Yes, I was shy. Um, Yes, I was timid. But there was within me this determination to be a journalist, and I was going to do it. We hear from Weekend Edition host Aisha Roscoe about her new book. And our militant grammarian returns with some brand names you might have been mispronouncing. And while we're on the subject of foreign cars, how do you pronounce the French brand of automobiles that is regarded as the oldest car company in the world? All that after the news from NPR. FrostFest returns February 3rd at the Washington County Fairgrounds from 2 to 7 p.m. This outdoor beer festival features over 60 local and regional breweries, vendors, and food trucks, plus live music featuring Bonnie Montgomery, Stepmom, Sad Palomino, and more. Proceeds benefit area nonprofits. Tickets at fossilcovebrewing.com. Good Tuesday. This is Ozarks at Large for January 30th, 2024. I'm Matthew Moore. Ozarks at Large is a production of 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Later on our show, a conversation with Aisha Roscoe. You know her as the host of Weekend Edition Sunday, but she joins us today to discuss her new book, HBCU Made. She talks Howard University, journalism, and how a yes from Roy Wood Jr. confirmed she was on the right path with this book. That's in about 15 minutes. First today, an Arkansas congressman is helping pave the way for updated national outdoor recreation policy. Republican Bruce Westerman is sponsoring the Explore Act, potential legislation comprising many smaller bills. Ozarks at Large's Jack Travis spoke with Representative Westerman and dove into the bill to learn more about how Explore will change recreation and the natural spaces it occupies. Last November, Arkansas Republican Congressman Bruce Westerman and Arizona Democratic Congressman Raul Grialva sponsored a bill titled the Expanding Public Lands Outdoor Recreation Experiences, or Explore Act. The legislation is a bipartisan package of outdoor recreation policy encompassing many different bills. It was written to serve as a companion to the America's Outdoor Recreation Act, which is currently making its way through the Senate. Westerman acts as the chairman of the Natural Resources Committee. They work with energy production, mining, fisheries and wildlife, public lands, irrigation, oceans, reclamation, as well as Native American affairs. He says the Explore Act works into antiquated outdoor recreation policies that are long overdue for an update. The content of this bill is in the jurisdiction of our committee, and it's something that we've been working on for actually several years now on a a recreation package, and the Senate's been working on one as well. And this is really a joint effort with a lot of different bills that have been compiled into the Explore Act uh, that addresses a wide range of outdoor recreation opportunities across the country. Millions of Americans visit public lands every year, and this number is consistently rising. Westerman says the Explore Act is designed to support this growth and address some of the challenges people working on public land face, 
According to the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable, the outdoor industry generated more than a trillion dollars in economic output in 2022. That's over 2% of the country's GDP and almost 5 million jobs. Those numbers have increased since then, but we've yet to see updated statistics. In order to address the growth of outdoor recreation, the Explore Act includes smaller bills that target specific recreation areas. These bills also rework the way the government manages public land access. For instance, the Simplifying Outdoor Access for Recreation, or SOAR Act, updates and streamlines the permitting process for guide services. Westerman says this will make it easier for guides to safely introduce people to the outdoors. He also says some aspects of Explore will be especially relevant for outdoor recreationalists in the natural state. Well, there's one in there specifically. <clears throat> it's legislation I've written on the Albert Pike campground uh, down in uh, the Washita areas. On, uh, you know, there was a horrible flood there and several people died and they've closed the campground and we've got language in there to rebuild the campground above the 100-year floodplain. So that'll definitely affect Arkansas. There's also the BOLT, or Biking on Long Distance Trails Act, which will help create more sustainable long-distance mountain biking trails. Are you picking up on the common theme with these bills' names? Anyway, the bill directs land management agencies to identify existing and potential long-distance bike trails and then work with stakeholders to develop and promote these trails. Previously established long-distance biking trails like the Washtaw Trail in central Arkansas will benefit from the designation and promotion. That's according to the Outdoor Alliance, a nonprofit coalition of natural advocacy groups like the Access Fund, the American Alpine Club, and the American Canoe Association. The Outdoor Alliance worked with the Natural Resources Committee to design the Explore Act, meaning that recreationalists help create this bill. Another bill within the Explore Act that Arkansans might find enticing is the Park or Protecting America's Rock Climbing Act. Here's Westerman. There's a lot more rock climbing in Arkansas than I think people realize. And um, there's been some efforts in the federal land agencies to prohibit the, uh, the anchors from being placed in the rocks, which would decimate rock climbing, especially when you get further out west and you've got the in Yosemite you've got El Capitan and Half Dome and all those remarkable places well I, I actually over the break I watched that uh, free solo movie where, where Alex and old climbed El Capitan without any ropes and he's the only person ever to do that and maybe the only person that ever does it but everybody else needs anchors so they can can climb and climb safely I reached out to the American Alpine Club, which is a climbing nonprofit out of Golden, Colorado, formed to create a, quote, united community of competent climbers and healthy climbing landscapes. I got with their director of policy and government affairs, Byron Harvison, to learn more about how the Explore Act will affect climbing and outdoor recreation in Arkansas. Harvison lives just outside of Tahlequah and regularly climbs at Lincoln Lake. He says multiple bills within Explore will improve outdoor access for Arkansans. For example, the SOAR Act, the Simplifying Outdoor Access to Recreation, we're big proponents of that, you know, making it easier for, for guides to obtain permits, um, especially when, um, when folks are trying to access public lands that are regulated by multiple management 
agencies. So for example, if, if, you know, if you're guiding a client on forest service land, um, but have to cross over park service land, you know, right now that stands, you'd have to um, put in for multiple permits. And so the SOAR Act looks to remedy and simplify some of those types of things. Um, and also make the, make, um, the acquisition of certain permits a little more equitable and a little more transparent. Harvison says that many bills within Explore look to standardize how different agencies manage recreation. Creating an equitable framework for governing people in the outdoors will create a more enjoyable experience for every party involved. Like right now, the, the Forest Service does not have a, a climbing management plan. So while individual um, units may have plans or have policies, this, the Park Act looks to have kind of like national guidance on, on these things, also applicable to the, the Park Service as well. And so I think yeah, it draws the necessary attention to those places and, and says, hey, yeah, we, we need to um, responsibly manage our recreation resources and um, it, they, it also recognizes recreation as a renewable resource for those, for the agencies. And um, yeah, just draws attention that, that they need to be properly managed. Another unique aspect of the Explore Act is its bipartisan support. Harvison says positivity surrounds outdoor recreation on both sides of the aisle. He sees it as a nonpartisan issue. I think also it's a recognition of the... Um, kind of the importance of outdoor recreation on our economy, but certainly, um, and, and certainly in Northwest Arkansas, right? Like outdoor recreation is a huge, um, a huge contributor to the economy. Um, and um, yeah, I think that's, that that's being recognized and the, um, yeah, the, the implications are kind of being, being addressed in these bills, right. And, and getting, allowing, and managing more people getting outside is is a good thing, right? Like we don't we don't want to love our uh, our wilderness or outdoor places to death. So kind of the the, the res- advocating for the responsible usage of those outdoor places, um, and um, but at the same time advocating for people to get outside and live healthy lifestyles. That's that's a big deal. Two weeks ago, lawmakers in the House of Representatives House Natural Resources Committee unanimously voted to advance the Explore Act. You can visit our website for more information about the bill, the Natural Resources Committee, and the American Alpine Club. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jack Travis. Coming up on Ozarks at Large, the importance of after-school programming. Much like any other after-school program, we start by meeting the basics. You know, we make sure they get a snack. We make sure, you know, that they have time to run around, to hang out with their friends, to play. Randy Wilburn from the podcast I Am Northwest Arkansas is joined by Ellie Hoyt, the director of development for a local after-school program. That's later this hour on our show. Attorney General Tim Griffin has now approved the ballot title for the initiated act regarding the Freedom of Information in Arkansas. As you may remember, Griffin approved the proposed constitutional amendment last week, but had not yet approved this companion element. The measure, if passed, would provide a definition for public meetings, enforce that a citizen who is wrongly denied a records request could recover attorney fees, and create a state commission for records requests. You can find the Attorney General's full opinion at our website, ozarksatlarge.com. 
A new report commissioned by the Walton Family Foundation examines the state of career and technical education, or CTE, in northwest Arkansas. The results indicate the region could do better aligning programs completed with industries likely to produce high-quality jobs in the next five years. Catherine Robinson, a program officer at Walton Family Foundation, says only three of the top ten most commonly completed CTE fields in the region are leading to jobs with high wages, high skills, and high growth. There also needs to be work to help expose students to those areas younger. You know, say we track back to middle school, when we look nationwide at other programs that are really successful at this, they're they're starting career exposure Um, fifth, sixth grade of getting students interested in fields and aware of fields and potential opportunities. The report found that the four most commonly completed CTE fields in Northwest Arkansas schools are based in agriculture. The report estimates the region's agriculture jobs will grow by about 180 total jobs in the next five years, while other fields like healthcare and social assistance are expected to grow by thousands of jobs during the same period. Robinson says the report can help direct a regional approach to better career and technical education. What do we maybe need to add in order to really build out opportunities in these uh, sort of recommended career fields so that it's not so siloed and it's not just some pockets of students and districts where they happen to be um, have this opportunity, but really think more regionally about how do we help all students have access to these kinds of high quality programs. The study was conducted by Insightful Education Solutions and can be found at waltonfamilyfoundation.org. The Bentonville School District is hosting its second annual Educators Career Fair. The fair is Saturday, February 24th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Bentonville High School. Leslie Wright, Communications Director for the school district, says the concern with starting a new event is whether it will be well-received or well-attended. And we had more than 300 folks um, attend last year to connect with our administrators, our principals, different folks on site and do interviews. And we hired several folks that day. It was fantastic. 300 people. A little more than actually. Wow. That's encouraging news. You know, we, we've heard a lot of conversations and stories where we're concerned about um, whether or not we're going to have people to fill roles in schools. Um, that sounds pretty encouraging to have such a strong turnout on a first time event like that. We agree with you. And that's exactly why we do this particular event, because we hear we hear the same um, data. We hear the same anecdotal stories of of, you know, not as many people going into teaching these days for a myriad of reasons. And so we want to make sure that Bentonville Schools is always at the top of the list for potential candidates, for people looking to work in education. And I I would share with you, it's not just um, individuals interested in teaching, but we're also looking for school nurses, paraprofessionals, um, people who want to be an assistant principal, facilities personnel. We have Um, 24 campuses, um, 24 different school buildings, I should say, multiple campuses in addition to that. But we're looking for folks who have um, construction management, um, you name it, we're looking for someone to work within our educational community. Let's say that someone wants to show up on Saturday, February 24th to uh, attend this fair. What should they come in hand with? their resume and be prepared to do an interview that day. We have, um, you don't have to do it in front of everyone. So that's 
consoling, I know, but we have private rooms set up um, for different administrators who have openings in their buildings or um, our transportation division will be represented for anyone who is interested in getting their CDL and driving a school bus, which is um, a great job in terms of flexible hours. But just bring your resume and be prepared to connect on site. What sort of stories have you heard from folks who attended the first fair? We had such great stories come out of last year's career fair. For example, we hired someone uh, named Dr. Catherine Ellsworth, who now serves as our director of student services. And she came from Alaska. She has family here in town. She has family who live in Northwest Arkansas. They had told her about it. She was actually retired from a position in Alaska and decided I'll come and visit my family and attend. And she was hired and does a phenomenal job for the district. We had another uh, elementary school teacher who came here from Michigan. Interestingly enough, we had, I met a woman I remember personally last year who um, her husband is a big mountain biking enthusiast. And so he had come to Bentonville several times before. They love the area to mountain bike. And she said, maybe I should look for a job here. And, and did so. Just a really interesting um, tapestry of stories that came out of last year's event. We would just love to encourage folks to attend, even if they're just contemplating the initial phases of contemplating a career in education. It's a casual environment. Everyone's incredibly friendly and welcoming. We're thrilled that you're, you're truly our guest of honor when you arrive. And so if you're considering a career in education, any facet of education, we'd love to connect with you. Leslie, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Matthew. You can find more details about the Educators Career Fair at our website, ozarksatlarge.com. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. The voice of Aisha Roscoe is one familiar to KUAF listeners. You've heard her as a politics reporter, White House correspondent, and now as the host of Weekend Edition Sunday. But in the new book HBCU Made, Roscoe says she was lonely, introverted, and deeply treasured her alone time as a kid. But when you hear her on the radio now, it's almost hard to believe that was true. She says... Going to Howard University pushed her to grow in a lot of ways. You know, I was just a, a very shy, introverted girl from Durham, North Carolina. I wanted to get away from home, but I had a lot of doubts about whether I would be able to make it. And to me, Howard seemed like this really cool place. It had so much history. It had this legacy of so many amazing people going there. And I felt like if I could make it at Howard, I could make it anywhere. But yeah, a lot of what you see now, the seeds were planted at Howard. I resonate a lot with the idea that I want to go to college and I don't want to go anywhere close to home. What what drove that for you, that you wanted to get out of Durham and you wanted to get out of North Carolina? Durham, of course, is known for being the home of Duke and it's part of the, you know, the triangle where there's a lot of colleges there. Why leave? You know, I think I wanted, I wanted to be able to to define myself away from 
um, th- like where ha- I had been at, you know, when I was in school. And, and so when I was like in high school, you know, I was so shy. I didn't have friends. So I, I didn't want to stay in that environment. I think I felt like I would have been stuck where I was. I wanted to give myself a chance to kind of forge my own destiny and, 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 and to make some changes. And I was hopeful that like, if I got out of like, this bubble that I would be able to, you know, like grow and, and, and to thrive. And I did, it didn't happen overnight. I was still very nervous and and shy a lot of the time, but over time I I was able to grow and develop. You also grew up Kojic, uh, Church of God in Christ, which is a predominantly black denomination of Christianity. That's very Protestant or is, is very Pentecostal rather. How did your church life influence your decision to go to a school like Howard? You know, it it had a big impact, you know, when I was deciding to go, I was very nervous. And, you know, a lot of people around me were like, I don't know, you're too timid. You don't have any street sense. Is this really the right place for you to go? So I was like, you know, I was praying. I was, you know, seeking the Lord and saying, like, is this what I should do? Um, Where I ended up was like, look, you know, if this is what you want to do, do it. Um, You know, if you live, you live. If you die, you die. But the Lord is with you either way. Just make your decision. And that's what I did. It was the right decision. Like I I went with my gut um, and, and my gut in that instance was right. Yeah, you mentioned uh, that uh, your your fear of letting people down or your fear of failure often was greater than your fear of like talking to strangers or <laughs> yes. doing the kinds of things that a journalist has to do. Can you talk a little bit about what it meant to you to grow in that way and in an environment where you didn't have to try and one up people who you know were looking down on you because of the color of your skin? Yeah, yeah. And people who might have questioned like, oh, you're here just because or how did you get here? No. So I didn't have to deal with that. And I think like I what I recognized like when I got to Howard or eventually would recognize is that like I did have this determination. Yes, I was shy. Um, Yes, I was timid. But there was within me this determination to be a journalist and I was going to do it. And I wasn't going to let even my fear and my shyness hold me back. So if I had a story to do, I would, you know, push myself to go up to that stranger and ask for a quote or, you know, to do, you know, to go up to random people and and to get what I needed to get that story in because I really wanted to be a journalist. Like, that's what I knew I wanted to do. It was what I was passionate about. And I wasn't going to let anything get in my way. And, and, and I didn't. Why journalism? You know, I, that's always like an interesting thing. It's like, why would you want to be a journalist when you're so super shy? I think I loved history. I loved English. I loved, you know, reading. And I felt like that it was a great combination of all those things. Right. I had and then growing up, I really loved like hip hop magazines like Vibe and Double XL. And, and, and so those magazines like really shaped me and I was like I want to do journalism I feel like I can do this Um, I can report on tomorrow's history today or yeah tomorrow's history today write the first draft of history and that's what I wanted to do and and so and I didn't you know have sense enough to think oh this will be hard because you're really shy you know when you're young you just don't have that sort of sense (laughs) well and and as I as, as I read what you said, I think one of the drivers that 
that I saw was that you just had this determination to find out the truth, regardless of whether or not it made people comfortable. And you write a lot about how your time working at the paper at at Howard, that there were times where you were writing things that the university wasn't very excited to see you writing about. So I I wonder if that had an element of it too, that you were determined to like find the truth regardless of the outcome. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, it was something where I really felt like I wanted to um, make sure that I was um, able to shine a light on the truth. And and what I learned at Howard is like, yeah, there were times where administrators were not happy with me and weren't happy with the reporting. But I feel like even when it's an institution that you love, or maybe even especially when it's an institution that you love, that you should hold them accountable. I've, I've always felt like um, to love something is to want it to be the best that it can be. Um, and, and, and not to just let it coast on, you know, the past. And so what I, so I think that's what I learned um, at Howard the most is that if you love something, hold it accountable. Hmm. The book is filled with essays and personal stories from people like Roy Wood Jr., Stacey Abrams, April Ryan, and of course, Oprah. What did the ask sound like when you reached out to these heavy hitters and asked them to talk about their HBCU experiences? You know, um, I mean, I think that Roy Wood Jr. was the first person who I reached out to, and he immediately said yes. And so I'll always be forever grateful for that. Um, with the other people, there there was a lot of like just trying to find the right person to get in touch with and this and that. Um, but I will say that, you know, the everyone who gave an essay, like they were so gracious. Um, and you also saw just like how much the experience meant to them. Like they're not doing it because of me. They're doing it because these schools really shaped their lives and really meant something to them. Um, and, and that's what you get from from all of the essays. Um, and so th- that's what stood out to me. You've gone from this brutally lonely teenager to what sounds like a college student who was empowered by her environment to a White House correspondent to now the host of Weekend Edition Sunday. What advice, Aisha, do you have to those who maybe hearing your story and they hear it themselves in that story and where you've been. Well, you know, I, I hope that they hear that that they can do it, too. Like, if I can do it, you can do it. Um, I'm just a, kind of a country girl from <laughs> from Durham, North Carolina, um, who had a lot of self-doubt, um, but was able to go to an HBCU and to really um, have people pour into me and believe in me more than I believed in myself. And I was able to, you know, find my truth and my power and, and, and to learn how to stand up for myself and what I believe in. And if I can do it, so can you. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say to just to to try to to seek the truth and to try to seek the best in themselves. And I, I think the rest of it will kind of work itself out. As you think back on the ask and you think back on the people that you that you heard from, is there any anecdote that really kind of sticks out to you? 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I definitely want to, you know, talk about like Roy Wood Jr. He has a great story in the book about um, he actually got in trouble when he was at FAMU and um, he got in trouble with the law and he had to go around to his FAMU professors and ask for a second chance. Um, and FAMU gave him that second chance. And so now you see him uh, on the Emmy stage just recently. And, and you yeah. It panned out. Yeah, it panned out. Absolutely. And then and you see him at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. And so I, I think that also at HBCUs, there's a lot of redemption. Um, and, and, and so I think that's also important and an important part of the HBCU story. Absolutely. Aisha Roscoe, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. HBCU Made is a collection of essays edited by Aisha Roscoe, available today. This is Ozarks at Large. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. Nothing like a couple of weeks of weather-related school closures to remind us just how important it is to have engaging activities for young people. We also know that learning and engagement doesn't stop when the final bell rings at school. The SOAR after-school program works with students from five Northwest Arkansas schools to develop leadership skills, no matter a student's background, personality, or interest. This week's episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast with Randy Wilburn includes a conversation between Randy and Ellie Hoyt, the Director of Development at SOAR. SOAR grew out of a Camp War Eagle after-school program that's now expanded from 30 children to 600, offered at no cost to families. In this edited excerpt from the podcast, Ellie Hoyt discusses the operations of the program and outcomes for students participating. Much like any other after-school program, we start by meeting the basics. You know, we make sure they get a snack <laughs> at the end of their school Kids day. Kids got to have a snack, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. trust me. <laughs> yeah, we make sure, you know, that they have time to run around, to hang out with their friends, to play. But then we also make sure that they are getting their homework done. You know, that is something that from the beginning, we wanted to make this promise to our families of when your child comes to SOAR, their homework is going to be done you know, they're going to be able to go home, spend time with their family. But in addition to all of that, we partner with the schools to make sure that we are helping to fill the gaps that might be missing in the school day, you know. So we provide a lot of science and STEM education. We make sure that, like, they are focused on their math skills that they're building, their reading skills that they're building, so that when they go to school, they cannot just be there and exist, but they can be thriving and everything that's happening in their education. And we have a lot of values within the the SOAR family, you know, values of we want our students to be able to face challenges, find solutions, and try new things, and we call that Rise Up. Okay. Uh, and so all of those basics of their academics, the snacks, the free time, the fun, all of that is surrounded by community, by a group of people who they believe in our students as leaders. They believe in the great things that they're capable of. And so all of our staff, they create an environment of belonging. Mm. They create an environment where it's safe to fail. It's safe to try new things. You know, we celebrate the failures because 
that's what it takes to grow. And so, yeah, community is a huge part. You heard me say a moment ago, SOAR family. We really believe that SOAR is a family, not just for the students in our program, but for anybody who's involved in it. You know, the parents, guardians, the family units that surround the students, our staff, our volunteers, the schools. Yeah, it really is so much about community and that support and the belonging that we believe is necessary, not just for students to be able to get their work done and be great students and do well in their academics. But we know that that support is so important as they grow and as they develop. I just think people need to hear that there are programs out there that are making a difference. And your your, your program isn't the only one, but there are a lot of them. My thing is, as adults especially, how do we support your efforts and what you're doing so that you guys can be the best version of yourself so that you can you know, open up in new areas and new schools. What can the local public here in Northwest Arkansas do to help SOAR? You know, that is a great question. And we spoke earlier about how SOAR has been made possible because of the generosity of Northwest Arkansas. And it is, I mean, it's amazing that we get to have this program in a place where there are so many corporations that are eager to give a place where People are eager to volunteer. And SOAR has always been a nonprofit program. And in 2020, we separated from Camp War Eagle for the purposes of being able to continue to grow and open up some new opportunities. And Camp War Eagle remains an incredible supportive partner. But we have also been able to develop like some other partnerships as well. And I think what the SOAR family wants Northwest Arkansas to see is the possibility for Northwest Arkansas students. We also want our students to be able to see that the community has care and excitement about them. Um, You know, and so when we host events like our Northwest Arkansas Amazing Shake and our SOAR Amazing Shake, we have volunteers come in and they see how our students are thriving. They see how our students are, you know, trying difficult things and finding solutions and facing challenges and all of that. And yeah, it's wonderful for the community to be able to represent all different forms of what a leader is to our students. You know, that is really, really important to us that our students see a leader is all different things. And there are so many people in our community that lead in different ways, that lead with different personalities, that lead with different skills. And we believe that that is you all, that the students are going to be those leaders in the future that support their community and that look out for young people and encourage them to grow and to try new things. Yeah. No, so well said. I mean, it, it's, it is definitely, it does take a village, right? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of everybody yeah. getting involved and, and helping out. So you mentioned the SOAR Amazing Shake and the Northwest Arkansas Amazing Shake competition. Mm-hmm. Tell us the, the genesis of this competition and, and why it's so important. It's it's an event that you do every year. Mm-hmm. It's not really a fundraiser, right? It's just for you guys to create a competition for the kids. Yeah. So the Amazing Shake started with the Ron Clark Academy, which is this incredible school in Atlanta. There are lots of things that we do at SOAR that have been inspired by RCA. And so RCA, they really encourage other schools, organizations to duplicate what they're doing with the Amazing Shake. 
And we have been doing Amazing Shake now for, I think, six or seven years, <laughs> uh, which is awesome. And the Ron Clark Academy has given us incredible support. They're really behind what we have duplicated here in Northwest Arkansas. And so we started with the SOAR Amazing Shake, where we had third, fourth, and fifth graders in our program participating in this competition that puts to test the public speaking communication skills that they are practicing at SOAR. We start with a a competition called the Gauntlet, where they have about 30 different scenarios that are one minute each. And it's something like they have to give a presidential press conference where they're asked, like, what are you going to do as a president in your first 100 days in office? Or they have to go on the Tonight Show and they have to tell a funny story. It's about, you know, making a good first impression about how do you handle different situations with confidence, with charm, with the ability to think on your feet. But yeah, then the competition moves on into like a networking round, into a question and answer round into a sit-down dinner where they're connecting with area professionals just to have connections, you know, to make conversation over dinner, to show the manners that they've been learning. And yeah, honestly, it is so much fun. Everyone who comes and takes part in it, they say, this was amazing. I did not anticipate that I was going to have this much fun, that I was going to be this impressed by the students. But Really, our belief is if you set a high standard, if you create an environment where students feel like, I can do this, and if I fail, it's going to be okay, but I'm going to go for it, I'm going to try, Like they will exceed your expectations every time. And so, yeah, a few years ago, we decided we wanted to offer this not just to our students at SOAR, but to Northwest Arkansas as a whole. And so now, the Northwest Arkansas Amazing Shake, which happens every spring, we invite any student in Northwest Arkansas, fourth through eighth grade, to participate. A lot of times schools will pick, you know, eight to 10 students that they'll bring. Families will bring their kids. It can be homeschool, private school, public school. Any kid, fourth through eighth grade, can participate in this and have those same challenges tested. And it's really been a, a wonderful thing for the community. Wow, oh, man, you got you got to love that. Now, do the kids get a a prize for participating in the program or is there some kind of are there levels of awards that are that are given out? Yeah, so it, typically with the Soar Amazing Shake, we have about 75 to 90 students who are participating and then that gets whittled down to about 5 for the finals and then this upcoming year the finalist uh the the champion will receive a $500 scholarship that's put into a Arkansas 529 account. So this has been made possible through the Heather White Legacy Fund. Heather White was our former board president, and uh, she called herself SOAR's biggest cheerleader, and she really had a vision for creating that opportunity. And so in her memory, her family established this fund, and people have been donating to it in the hopes that we can continue to provide this contribution to our students in celebration of their hard work and their efforts in the competition. And for Northwest Arkansas, we also provide opportunities for the school that the student comes from to be celebrated and funds to go back to that school as well. Ellie Hoyt is the Director of Development at SOAR After School Program. You can hear the entire conversation with Randy Wilburn on the latest episode of Randy's I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. It's available where you find your podcasts. It's also at imnorthwestarkansas.com and you can find the episodes at KUAF.com. And you can find out more about SOAR at SOARAfterSchool.com.
Com. The news isn't always easy to hear. NPR's Daniel Estrin has covered this first month of war and joins us now from Tel Aviv. Hi, Daniel. That's why at Morning Edition, we focus on the facts you need to stay informed and the human connection to every story. The folks on Capitol Hill, some of them aren't even aware of who we are and what we do. We're with you through it all. Listen weekdays to Morning Edition from NPR News. Morning edition, tomorrow morning and every weekday morning from 5 until 9. The inaugural recipients of the Faye Jones School Legacy Medal in Architecture will be honored tomorrow on the University of Arkansas campus. David McKee, an architect based in Fayetteville, and David Somella, based in Minnesota, will be recognized for extending the legacy of Jones, for whom the University School of Architecture is named. Tomorrow's ceremony in Volwalker Hall will take place on the 103rd anniversary of Faye Jones' birth. So Mella is a self-taught architect who grew up on a dairy farm in Minnesota. During his 50-year career, he's been awarded more than 80 regional, national, and international awards. McKee earned his bachelor's in architecture from the University of Arkansas, worked at Faye Jones' firm, and in 2006, launched his own firm. The kidney and liver transplant programs at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences are again receiving high ratings. A report this month from the Scientific Registry of Transplant Recipients gives UAMS five out of five bars for the speed at which patients obtained an organ from a deceased donor after getting on the waiting list. This category has the largest impact on survival, according to the registry. A Northwest Arkansas native is the new vice president for advancement at Hendricks University. Dr. Meredith Brunin will assume the job May 1st. She'll be in charge of fundraising and alumni relations. Brunin comes to Hendricks from the University of West Georgia. Earlier in her career, while at Northwest Arkansas Community College in Bentonville, she was instrumental in securing a $15 million grant from the Walton Family Foundation for Brightwater, a center for the study of food. Both Razorback track and field teams are moving up in the national polls. The women's team now is at the top of the national ratings after starting the season ranked number two. The Razorback men's team now fourth in the poll after starting the season ranked 41st. Both teams are defending national champions. Both squads will host the Tyson Invitational February 9th and 10th in Fayetteville. And Razorback runner Amber Anning holds a pair of important marks after this past weekend's Razorback Invitational at the Randall Tyson Track Center. Friday, Anning established a new British record in the 200 meters, breaking the 1999 British record of 22.99 seconds set by Catherine Mary. She broke that record by almost a half second. Then Saturday, Anning, a London native, ran a world-leading 400 meters with a time of 50.56 seconds. This is Ozarks Arts. Guess who is with me inside? <laughs> I'm the, back. The Anthony and Susan, my new studio. It's Catherine Schultz, our Middleton Grammarian. Hello. Hi. I'm, I, I've been wanting to come back for months, but procrastination. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, our, our old friend Mental Floss provided us with a list of commonly mispronounced brand names. Brand names. Mm-hmm. Okay. Seeing as how your career is dependent on pronunciation. Yes. <laughs> let's see how you do with some of them. All right. 
Kyle, if I ever owned anything by this manufacturer, I guarantee I bought it at a thrift store. Okay. <laughs> Usually it's associated with handbags. And if you ask me, the ba- bags are pretty ugly. For one thing, they're emblazoned with the maker's initials. I guess so snobby folks know what you paid for your purse. Uh, Want to take a guess? Louis Vuitton? That's what it okay. is. Mm-hmm. And you pronounced it correctly. The uh, company was founded in 1854 by Louis Vuitton. Fun fact about Louis... Prior to the founding of the company, he had been appointed as trunk maker to (laughs) Empress Eugene de Montijo, Mm -hmm. wife of Napoleon III. I did not know until right now that Louis Vuitton went back that far. Uh, I figured it was some 1920s. Maybe even still alive kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Seems as if a lot of fancy pants fashion manufacturers suffer from mispronunciation, especially those of French or Italian Mm. origin. Try your ear at these, Kyle. Okay. A brand known in America as YSL. Yves Saint Laurent. Very good. <laughs> so do you – are you intimately familiar with these brands or do you, is just I, being a radio person? I think being a radio person. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you watched Sex in the City, oh, they yeah. would mention Louis Vuitton. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, true. This one starts with a given. A given. Given starts with the word given. Oh, well. But I, it's, it's ja instead of guh. I don't know. Uh, Givenchy. Oh. No, Givenchy. I don't know Givenchy. You don't know? No. G-I-V-E-N, given, C-H-Y. Mm. Givenchy. Mm-hmm. Last syllable emphasized. I've, I think I've heard it with the first syllable. Emphasize. Okay, a fashion leader, last name of Donatella and Gianni. Versace? Yep. No, that's not quite right. Say it again. Versace? Versace. Versace. C H A Y. I mean, that's not how it's spelled, but. Right. Yeah. Versace. Versace. Oh, no, Versace. Versace. Sa is emphasized, okay. but it's Che, not She. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This brand was the subject of a recent movie starring Lady Gaga. Oh, uh, Gucci. Uh huh. Is that right, Gucci? Yep, that's how you okay. pronounce it. Mm-hmm. The House, House of, of Gucci, Gucci yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's enough of fashion brands I'll never shop for. Uh, let's look at cars. Mm-hmm. Janis Joplin famously prayed for a Mercedes Benz, but all her friends drove what? Oh, uh, Porsches? Mm-hmm. Is that right, Porsche? Yeah, that's right, Porsche. Yeah. And I think uh, the way probably most people mispronounce it, the way I grew up, saying it until I learned it was wrong. It's just Porsche. That's how, if you grew up in rural Arkansas yeah, at a certain a time, it's a Not Porsche. A Porsche. Right? But Porsche, <laughs> right. Ferdinand Porsche was a German bohemian automotive engineer and founder of the Porsche company. He's best known for creating the first gasoline electric hybrid vehicle. Hmm. Uh, the Volkswagen Beetle. Did you know he designed I that? I did not. Mm-mm. I did not. Uh, the Auto Union Racing Cars, the Mercedes-Benz, SSSSK, whatever that is, <laughs> and several other important developments and Porsche, Porsche automobiles. But he developed the Beetle. I did not know that. I didn't either. Hmm. Uh, it seems to me I heard that a million years ago that, that the Beetle was designed by a high-fashion high, hmm. high designer. I think most people know how to pronounce this next manufacturer, but just looking at the spelling, I can see why it's often mispronounced. 
Okay, it's a German car mm-hmm. that's part of the Volkswagen group. Uh-huh. And given the subject of our discussion today, I should say that the Volkswagen group, <laughs> Volkswagen <laughs> right. group, since 2008, it has been the main automotive sponsor for Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. <laughs> Thus, uh-huh. it shows up in lots of action movies. Yeah, the Audi. Audi, yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, of course, it's spelled A-U-D-I, so people might want to say Audi. Right. Mm-hmm. But it is Audi. And one of the reasons it's pronounced is if you add an O to the end, you get a word very recognizable to English speakers. Oh, sure. It'd be audio. audio. So you'd want to say Audi. I sure. Think, and I think I grew up calling it an say Audi. Audi. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess what? The name Audi is, uh, or Audi is based on the German word for listen. Really? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> and while we're on the subject of foreign cars, how do you pronounce the French brand of automobiles that is regarded as the oldest car company in the world? It is the second largest automaker in Europe behind Volkswagen. Is that Peugeot? It is. I was trying to think whether it's Renault, uh, Renault or Peugeot. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Oh, okay. <laughs> but now okay. Peugeot roots go back to bicycle manufacturing at the end of the 19th century. Wow. And now, how did you say it? Peugeot? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And, of course, it's spelled Puyot. Yes. Or yes. something like yes. that. <laughs> Here are a couple more car makers. The one, this one was featured in The Wolf of Wall Street and in Cannonball Run. Is that a Lamborghini? Mm-hmm. Lamborghini, yeah. Uh, okay. Right? Yeah. Lamb, not Lamb. You said Guinea. Lamborghini? Yeah, Genie, not okay. Genie. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. right. In A View to Kill, Roger Moore as James Bond drove a rendition of this car, even though it had been cut in half. Oh, that's, now that's, see, I don't know if it's Renault or Renault. It's Renault. Okay. Not Renault. Okay. Specifically, not Renault. Renault. That. A-U-L-T, French thing, you know. Do you remember a time in the, I don't know, late 60s or early 70s, that car manufacturer was often sort of a bargain buy in the United States. They would have small, my father had a Renault. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. No. Our final brand name is neither handbag nor car. Kyle, what company urges you to just do it? Well, now, if this isn't Nike... If it's Nike, <laughs> I have been wrong for a long time. No, I call it, okay, I it's thought you were Nike. throwing me a curveball there. <laughs> the slogan has been the fodder of many a parody, and perhaps my favorite is a meme of a dog with the slogan, just bark at it. <laughs> <laughs> my dog. <laughs> Adding, even if there's nothing there. Right. And dog lovers, as dog lovers, I think we can both relate to that. Catherine Sheralds is our militant grammarian. For the Central Arkansas Library System and KUAR, I'm Mark Chris with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. For more than 60 years, the city of Little Rock had a censor board to evaluate the moral appropriateness of public entertainment. Created in 1911, the board met sporadically until it was revamped in 1926 and voted a year later to ban two African-American newspapers that had covered the lynching of John Carter. The board was reorganized after World War II with the added duties of watching for irreverent references to Jesus Christ and nudity and interracial love scenes in movies. At one point, the censor board ordered the Little Rock Public Library to remove Return to Peyton Place from its shelves. The library refused. As social norms changed and the graphic nature of films increased, the board banned the X-rated film Deep Throat, and in 1973, 
Employees of the Adult Cinema Theater were arrested for showing it. Though they were convicted, the board's authority declined, and after a U.S. Supreme Court ruling established stricter criteria for regulation of obscene material, it ceased to exist in 1975. To learn more, visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, novelist Kylie Reed's new book is set in Fayetteville. She was inspired to place Come and Get It on the University of Arkansas campus after living here. Now an assistant professor at the University of Michigan, she says she even wanted to title her new book Suey, as in Woo Pig Suey. That was the title, the working title in my brain for maybe two years. But then when it came time to put it into the world, whenever I would say Suey to people, they would say Shuey, Zooey, they couldn't get it. <laughs> away. And I said, okay, we have to go back to the drawing board. And then my agent actually came up with a title. We were texting and she said, well, what does Suey mean? It's like a pig call. It's like, here pig, come and get it. And I said, Ooh, that's that's kind of interesting. Kylie Reed, the author of 2019's critically acclaimed novel, Such a Fun Age, talks to us about her new novel, Come and Get It. That's on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. on 91.3 KUAF. And Friday, Northwest Medical Center in Springdale will host a blood drive from 10 until 3. The Community Blood Center of the Ozarks Bloodmobile will be in the hospital's north entrance parking lot. Walk-ups are always welcome, though organizers are asking you to make an appointment in advance. If possible, that helps with the flow. CBCO is the sole nonprofit blood, platelet, and plasma provider for all Northwest Health Hospitals and for more than 40 other hospitals in the Ozarks. Some blood donor reminders, drink plenty of juice or water the night before donating, eat a well-balanced meal about two to three hours before donating, and bring your photo ID. That is now required. Again, the blood drive from 10 until 3 Friday at Northwest Medical Center in Springdale. Ozarks at Large is a production of 91.3 KUAF Fayetteville. Contributors to today's show include Jack Travis, Randy Wilburn, and Mark Christ. Our militant grammarian is Catherine Charles. Great to have her back. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. She'll be back again next week as well. Matthew produced today's show inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. A lot of reference material in today's program. If you want to learn more about the Explore Act, the FOIA ballot measure, or hear the full conversation from Randy Wilburn. All of that available to you for free at OzarksAtLarge.com. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Really excited to hear that conversation with Kylie Reed. Oh, yeah. And it's a great book. It's a, a, a fantastic book. Um, and it she gets Fayetteville so well. Fayetteville circa 2017. Yeah. Isn't it wild how someone can just be here for a year and, like, get it? We talk about that. Oh, she had a, an, was an accidental uh, <laughs> teaser there. Uh, by the way, watched a great movie last night, Past Lives. I can't emphasize enough how wonderful this movie is. Well, I guess I know what I'm doing this evening. You got to rent it. Yeah, well, okay. I can do that. All right. I'm Kyle Kellums. Thanks I'm for at- listening. I'm Matthew Moore. Thanks for being with us. Walton Arts Center presents Damn Tall Buildings, bringing their bluegrass and American roots-inspired music to West Street Live, Thursday, February 1st. 
And on Friday, February 2nd, Brian Blade and the Fellowship Band bring their jazz and gospel-rooted sound to the Starlight Jazz Club Series. Tickets at waltonartscenter.org. KUAF is supported by Dr. Kathleen Wong, a psychiatrist providing infusion therapy for treatment of depression and anxiety disorders. Resources available to support your mental health. More at drkathleenwong.com.